Good evening and welcome to His Will for Your Life podcast for our panel discussion this evening. We thank you for joining us and we'll be right back. Stay tuned. His Will for Your Life with Cherie Harris. This is your weekly Wednesday 7 p.m. podcast. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Jeremiah 29. Informative, hot topic, testimony, interviews, along with your weekly guests and more. And now here's your host, Cherie Harris. discussion. Can I Just Be Real is our topic tonight. And we have Daryl Williams, Georgia Wright, Chelsea Sheffield, and Ray Moncrief. And shortly, Nancy Smith will be joining us. How are you guys this evening? Doing great. Doing great. Staying warm. Staying warm. <laughs> yeah. So you out in Texas and it's a little icy out there, right? Yeah, it really is. It's, I mean, people's pipes are busting. And, I mean, I'm I'm grateful that I haven't been affected by it, but I you know close friends, first members, fam, you know, other people just it's it's pretty bad. It really is. So we're praying that this ends soon. Well, it's a blessing that you were able to join us tonight despite of that storm that you having. We are keeping you all in prayer. Um, so we're gonna go first with Daryl Williams. You wanna introduce yourself, sir? Uh, yeah, I can do that. Uh, as you said, my name is Daryl Williams. I am from Columbus, Georgia, and um, I currently reside in Douglasville, Georgia. I am, I think, the greatest father in the world. I'm a small business owner. Uh, I'm a little wild and crazy, but, you know, I have a ministry, Canaan's Able Ministry. You know, God gave me that ministry. One day I was in a truck, and I was, you know, just thinking about his people, and, you know, I just do everything I can to advance the kingdom. Amen. Georgia Wright. Hello, everybody. So my name is Georgia Wright, and I live in Georgia. <laughs> so, and I just found out, right, that Daryl um, knows someone I know in right. my town, and so it is such a small world. It's yes, amazing. Yes. Six degrees of separation. So, um, my name is Georgia Wright. I am. My background is very heavy in finance, but my passion and my purpose is health and wellness, getting people to, you know, just make better um, decisions with their health and their temple. Um, and I believe that is my ministry is to help people um, seek wellness, um, my body and spirit. And so, you know, 
there's a whole lot more I can say about, you know, my background, but that's, you know, the gist of it is my passion of health and wellness and, and that ministry. Awesome. Yeah. Miss Sheffield, Chelsea. Hello, hello, Chelsea Sheffield. I um from Texas, originally from San Antonio. I reside here in the DFW area. I've been in education over 20 years now. And so I love that little children. I've also worked and led in ministry, particularly singles ministry. And I currently have my own which is it was a podcast, it was on a radio station now on Facebook Live. And this is dedicated to getting people to get close to God and devotion. I spotlight a lot of different authors and their books. We teach from them. So I love books and teaching in one of God's word uh, to encourage others to have their time. You can't just get it on Sundays and Wednesdays. You can't, you can't survive all that. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Ray Moncrief. Hello all, uh, my name is Ray Moncrief. Um, I reside currently in um, Kansas City, Missouri. Um, by trade, I am a CPA, I'm a tax guy, so this is kind of busy time of the year for me, but um, you know, I'm just, just loving what I do. Right now I don't have a ministry, but I'm seeking the Lord because I know he has a plan for me to go out there and do ministry. And I'm just seeking him that he'll lead me in that right way so I can do things the way he wants it to be done. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's great. Um, so we're going to talk about, first of all, we're talking about what everybody is dealing with today at this very moment, we're dealing with this pandemic. And so as believers in Christ, right? So we have that anchor and we, we, we have that relationship with God. And so some of us not um, overwhelmed by it as others. And so let's just share how you are dealing with the pandemic. Any one of you can go at this time. Well, I'm a mother, so I'm homeschooling through the pandemic and running multiple businesses and developing projects. And I'm telling you, like we were talking today about like homeschooling and um, that in itself is a ministry and having to be so gentle with my children, gentler than, than normal because they're dealing with a lot. Um, and we don't think about that, but they can't go to the park. They can't see their friends, the things that they would normally do, they can't do it. So they're home with us. And so um, I had a little situation where I was critiquing um, some math skills and my daughter said, you know, I should have been so nicer to her and I should, um, I should have told her she was doing a great job instead of, you know, pointing out her mistake. And so in my head, I'm like, girl, please. But, you know, verbally, I was like, oh, honey, I'm so sorry. You know, you are so right. I, you, you're doing a great job. But in my head, I was just like, listen, we need to get this math right. We need to get it done. But it's just such a delicate time for us where we have to be mindful of what's happening outside the world as we're parenting. Like we can't even parent the same way we used to parent. You know, it's different the way we parent now. Yes. Yeah. Other parents, are you experiencing this as well? 
But at, see, for me and, and, and my boys, um, they, they're just a little bit more anxious about wanting to get out and wanting to be out, be with their friends. Uh -huh. um, we have um, two teenagers, one really newly minted teenager, 13-year-old. But, you know, for, for them, it, it's been more, most more, more like I just need to be around my friends. Um, I think they, they've adapted pretty well to the to the online, and I think one of the things that helped them uh, when they first started was when they knew they weren't going back to school. You know, they were able to kind of settle down and say, "Okay, let's just kind of get through this." Now they are going back to school, so they they're in the the classroom, so that takes a little bit away of the edge of you know, kind of realizing they live in a pandemic. So I, I thank God that. Um, I've not, I've heard other parents with the same um, struggles as Georgia and, you know, I've not experienced that. Um, but, you know, so I, I thank God for that, that for, yeah. on my end, it's been fairly, fairly smooth. Awesome. Awesome. Daryl, what about you? Um, can y'all hear me? Cause I can't hear y'all in my ears. Y'all hear me? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, of course I'm a truck driver, so I never got a chance to sit down in the pandemic, right? Now, my children that are in school, I have two high schoolers. Um, my son, mostly, he was, at first he was like, you know, I'm kind of sort of glad we're not in school, you know, blah, blah, blah. But then at, at a certain point, he was like, okay, I'm ready to go back to school now. Then when they did go back to school, they both were like, okay, it, it's enough. Oh, we're, we're good, we're home. So yeah. I, I never really had a chance to sit down. I've been forced in my head all year and i praise god for that because you know i started a business during the pandemic yes so i was able to not just survive but thrive you know during those times so awesome. like the pandemic i can't lie it's been good to me but you know and i understand that others don't have that testimony but i can't i don't have any complaints just yet now i mean the only one i can really think of like i'm a people person so mm -hmm. i like to talk to people i like to be around people and yes. it's kind of people become kind of not harsh, but standoffish when, you know, they don't know what they're dealing with. So, mm -hmm. you know, I'm just used to being free and being around people, but that's it, you know. Awesome. Awesome. And so, Miss Chelsea, we know that you are a school teacher. And how is that wow. working out? <laughs> Woo, mercy. So uh, when the pandemic first hit, uh, I, you know, I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm like Brother Darrell. I, I felt like God was favoring me. I needed I needed a moment to reset. And it felt like I'm single. I have no children. So uh, my students, they get quite a bit from me. And, I, and I'm one of those above and beyond teachers. I've, I've had to learn to pull back on that, though, uh, just for personal uh, well, welfare. But that during that time, that was really, um, it was a little scary for others, like as far as my concerns for how people were doing. And also just for people who are single, who are in households by themselves, how is that going to challenge them spiritually and mentally? Because people are already dealing with stuff prior to the pandemic. Uh -huh. So we're already grieving from other losses. We we forget before COVID, there was still other stuff going on. Yeah. You and know, cancer, AIDS. I mean, that, that stuff didn't disappear. Yeah. Uh, you know, there were still other issues. And then just, you know, that was my concern was how were people mentally faring? Uh, and getting through everything. But for me, it was the greatest reset button God could have ever given me. I was able to finish my book, a book I've been working on for some years, and I was able to finally finish. And um, and then just also learning 
different areas in my life that God wanted to change and work on uh, to, to prepare for what's happening now in this year. And so, yes, my heart goes out to those who lost. Uh, but I, even in that, I, I, I know it is to bury and lose multiple loved ones. I've learned that everything, God does not waste any pain. So it's bittersweet. Best way to share. Yeah, right. And that's, that's so true. For me, um, I'm an introvert anyway. And so the social distancing worked for me. Mm -hmm. um, but then, you know, it was you know, me and my son would go out, you know, on a Saturday, we'll go out for breakfast. And so at least twice out of the month, I'll take him out to a restaurant so that he can know how, you know, food, you know, food etiquette, um, eating at the table with real napkin, um, fork and knife. So um, I miss that part. And so does he um, going out. And so that's why you find me cooking so much um, and also having him take part in that because the kids are suffering from um, this pandemic as well. Yeah, they are. It's, it's, it's challenging. But it's also challenging for us because we have to be soccer mom, you know, soccer dad. Um, you have to be the school cafeteria lady. <laughs> you know, um, we have to do, you have to be everything, right? Mm -hmm. The Uber driver. Yep. Um, you, we, we have to do it all. We're the principal, the nurse practitioner. Um, so we, we're covering it all. I appreciate teachers. I really mm -hmm. I appreciate them now because... You know, we're dealing with a lot. Yep. Yeah. It it's a lot. It's yeah. a lot of teachers, but we can only imagine those parents. Right. Yeah. And in my case, um, I had started homeschooling before the pandemic. So it's not even like the pandemic had changed anything for me. Um, I kind of had gotten a head start on a lot of parents because when it happened, it was like, oh, okay, we already have a groove going. Yeah. But it still, you know, you could still feel the effects because you can't take the children out um, of your home to do like little field trips and, you know, little activities yeah. that we would normally have planned. You know, it's like, no, we can't go here or, you know, we can't go to the museum right now. But um, I but like you all said, there's some there've been some blessings in this because I've been able to focus on my businesses more. I didn't have as many distractions, you know. Um, believe it or not, for some reason, I was able to to find more time to get more done. Okay, so we have some positive feedback from from this panel, but then there are people who are struggling through this pandemic. Right. Yep. So they have lost loved ones. Um, they have lost their job. Um, you know, their children may not be doing well um, as others. It's 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 kind of crazy. My son does better virtually than he did in the classroom, probably because I'm the teacher, the principal, the after school <laughs> teacher, because um, he does get detention. Counselor. But for those who um, really are struggling. Um, yeah. through this pandemic um, with, you know, everything, loss of jobs, school, um, what would you say to them? Wow, that's a tough one. Um, you know, it, it's important if the person is a believer, because I know that for me, as I face trials and in, in, in hard times in any era of my life, I have to lean on my faith. I think that's the number one thing that comes to the forefront. And then I start remembering all the other obstacles I overcame. And I'm like, I overcame this. I got through this. You won't get through this. You know, maybe, it, you know, it's going to take some time. It's not going to be an overnight thing. I believe that we're going to be going through this for a minute. But um, I think faith is what's um, 
going to keep a lot of us and a good therapist, you know, having somebody to talk to, yes. to be real with. Yeah. Um, I mean, there have been moments where I've had some thoughts that were kind of like very anxious and I'm a very positive, upbeat, optimistic person. And there have been mornings when I wake up like, mm-hmm. like we're still in this, like this wasn't a yeah. dream. Mm-hmm. And and you can't stop and sit and try to figure out what's happening. Like you still got to make breakfast, still got to make those phone calls, still got to get the kids ready. You know, like there's still things to do in the midst of it. So how do you keep your mind? How do you keep your faith? How do you stay positive? Um, and, and go through this. And I think whatever religion people are, you better draw on that. Whatever you're anchored to, you need to find that anchor, that positive. Um, because, you know, you have to understand a lot of people are not Christians. People right. are of different faith. And I'll give you an example. Like my daughter worked for the Parkinson's Foundation. And, you know, when people would call in and the people who are diagnosed with the Parkinson's disease, one of the things they would encourage individuals to do is draw on their faith. Whatever that 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 thing is that that keeps you grounded and keeps you just hopeful and believing, and we're not talking about in terms of faith. We're not talking about mysticism and new age. We're talking about people who are Catholic or people who are Jewish. You know, there, there are hundreds of religions out there where it's anchored in you know faith in, in love and positivity. And they were telling people like whatever it is that you believe in, you need to draw on that. You're going to need that. Mm-hmm. that you, is- you know, you know what I learned. Um, I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, I, and I, I think this goes for all believers. Like, it's easy for me to have faith for someone else, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I can't, I can't personally say I wasn't personally affected by COVID. I praise God that none of my children got it. You know, my parents didn't get it. You know, uh, I had friends that got it, but they got, like, I guess, I don't know if you call it a minor case. Like, they lost taste yeah. and smell, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. Now, thankfully, they recovered. But I think it's much easier for me to have faith for someone else than it would be for myself. Like, I don't, when people, you know, when people talk about it, I don't try to stay out of the conversation because I see how it affects everyone around, you know, no matter where we go. But at the end of the day, like this, this thing is affecting black, white, Jewish, you know, Christian, Hindu, whomever. So we all have this one thing in common and that's humanity. Um, it's easy for me to be, you know, faithful for, you know, another human being. And I honestly can't see where, like, how, you know, what could I say? You know what I'm saying? Besides, it's going to be, you know, you're going to be all right. But I haven't had to deal with it personally. So, you know, that's how I look at it. It's easy for me to have faith for someone else. Yes, it is. And I'm the same way. I have the most faith when somebody called me and say, pray for me. Um, And I I go in and, you know, right then, sometimes God would um, lead me to pray right on the spot, right? So those pivotal prayers, you're just praying right then, targeting that situation. Um, And sometimes it takes me to go in my prayer room and just go pray for them um, um, because God would download some other things other than what they're they're saying. So I find it where I need backup sometimes. Like um, Sunday, I woke up and everything on my left side was wrong. So I was getting a sharp pain on my left side. My left eye was red. I was getting um, pain um, in my lower abdomen on the left side. My arm was um, and my hand was left hand was tingling. So I called for backup. But I knew that it wasn't mine. 
um, which is strange. I knew it wasn't my pain, but I knew I wasn't feeling well. So I anointed myself and I began to pray. But then, like I said, I called for backup. But later on in the week, I learned that these were other people were experiencing that. And because I intercede so much, I was taking on their ailments. And so when they prayed, when they when they called me, I knew exactly what to pray for. And right. not it, it wasn't long before the, the praise report came back that it was God had showed his hand. Right. And um, manifested the healing. So it's it's challenging. So I thank God for backup. You know, sometimes it's good to have someone that you can call and say, I need you to intercede for me. I need you to pray for me. Um, I was going to say, Georgette made an interesting point. She she shared the distinction of it depends on if they're believers. Uh, but I was listening to what Daryl was saying about humanity. I know one of the great ways to question say to someone in the way the greatest uh, the pandemic afforded us to evangelize in a way of serving. serving. Yeah, don't have to be the same religion that serves someone that goes back to humanity. And yes. we, it, that really is the basic principle of yeah. uh, the end of just serving on love. love yeah. And then because people don't let care for them until they care. And that's yeah. even with other Christians who may have had church hurt or, you know, just different experiences where they're guarded. You know? yes. So, and this is where I was going. So this is, this is interesting because here's a question. How do you draw from your, from your Christianity? I guess that's what they're saying. When you, um, when you're in depression, um, because a lot of people are slipping in depression, including the best of us, right? So you have leaders who are depressed and they are overwhelmed um, by a lot of things what's going on. Like you said, things were happening before the pandemic came. And so the pandemic came along and then it just kind of magnified what you were already dealing with. And so I know we don't have any therapists on um, this platform, but what would you say to this 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 christian that is dealing with um, depression well I, I don't mind jumping in um i was on my way to becoming a christian counselor a couple of years ago and then life took me a different route but um what i will say is that it is so important to have friends who are believers and it's important to have people who you can trust and you can be honest with. Uh -huh. So if you're not, if you don't have a, a, a therapist, right, for example, or a mental health specialist who you're working with, it is important if you feel depressed or anxious that you have a believer who you can call on and you can say to them, listen, girl, I got up this morning and I don't know what was happening, but I was feeling a, a way. And, and the person can say, you know, I think you're going, this is what's happening to you. Because sometimes we get so churchy and religious. Mm -hmm. We, you know, we tell people, oh, girl, just pray, you know, just pray and trust God. And I might have done that in the past to somebody. But sometimes people have genuine hurt and, and pain and they need someone to listen. Oftentimes they don't want you to send them to the scripture. I mean, they just want you to like the go, go back to humanity, right? Just connect with me. Yeah. George, see me. Don't see me as girl. You've been saved for twenty four years. What's wrong with you? You should be. You should be all prayed up and be able to overcome this. No, 
I'm a mother with, with, with four girls. I'm self-employed. I'm single. Like these are the things that I'm dealing with in the middle of a pandemic. I can't travel to my family to see them, to get that support. I'm in a state where I don't really have that, that kind of, a, and so when you can honestly say that to someone and they can say, you know, I understand. I went through this too, and this is how I handled it. I think oftentimes just having someone to listen and to connect, and you don't always have to give people advice. I'm learning how to listen more. Just let people talk. Sometimes people don't want to hear what you got to say. They just want to let to release and to know that you can listen and you could be empathetic. Right. And and that's why we have to let people just be themselves and be, yeah. real. you know, I'm not feeling well today. And it doesn't mean that there's something ailing me. I just don't, I'm not in a happy place today. And we should be okay with that. No, you're a leader. No, you're a minister. You're not supposed to be like that. You're a pastor. The people need yeah. you. But no, it's it's not okay. I'm not okay. And we need to be able to say that so that we can get the help that we need because so many people mask how they feel, right? right. So, you know, someone may be dealing with depression, but they're, they're smiling because that's what's expected. Yeah, but they're 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 not happy. Yeah, um, and so we have to we have to learn to to allow people to be able to release without ridicule, right? Mm -hmm. Without Absolutely. us making them feel bad for sharing how they feel. As a, as a believer, as a believer, as a man, and a, as a believer, right? I will say this. I will. I used to hate to say this, but I, I'm proud to say it now. I'm more practical when it comes to the things of God than I am spiritual. Now, I know that God is definitely spiritual, but uh, I used to beat people up with the word like that. I ain't even going to front. I used to be like, hey, well, you a believer, you know, X, Y, Z, blah, 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 whatever, whatever. And I had to realize, you know, even Jesus had to take a nap. You know what I'm saying? In the middle of the storm, you know, Jesus is taking that. That's a practical thing. There's nothing spiritual about taking a nap. So, and I, I you know, I'm that person, like, because men, we like to fix stuff. Like, we, we, you know, we like to go in. We like to find out what the problem is. Oh, you just need a, a three-quarter inch nail. We're just going to drive it in deeper. Mm -hmm. No, sometimes, you know, sometimes you got to let people say what they got to say. Let them walk it out. And, you know, and we can't, as, as believers, we feel with the Holy Spirit. We can't be afraid to let people be who they are at the moment. Jesus walked around with fishermen, doctors, tax collectors. These people were cursing. They were fighting amongst each other, doing all of these things. But sometimes... As believers, we get high and lifted up, and we can't. Well, I can't be around that person because just because a person curses around me, that doesn't mean I'm gonna curse. Mm -hmm. I, I know better. I got the Holy Spirit that lives inside of me, so I am way practical. Hey, look, bro. Sometimes we just need to go to, sit down and just go fishing or do whatever the case may be, mm -hmm. just to make sure that we can process through this thing because I need you here, and that's how I look at stuff. Yeah, I can pray for you, but after we get done praying. We have to get up and we got to walk this thing out. And yeah. I, I think that's really important that it's okay. We can't spiritualize everything. Exactly. Oh, I, I need some gas in my car. What am I going to do? You're going to fill up the tank. Yes. You're not going to to your next spot. You, you're going to fill up the tank. Yeah. That, if you don't have it, then, you know, ask God to send somebody to bless you. But at mm -hmm. the end of the day, you still can't ride around on those fumes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, because everything is, it has to be spiritual, right? And and it isn't. Everything is not spiritual, what you're, you're dealing with. And so you need a real answer. Not that the word is not real. It is. It's real. But you, sometimes we need somebody to relate to how we're actually feeling at that very moment. Yeah. You know, validate my feelings. 
um, at that at that time. Yeah, um, you're, you're correct. I, I think we as Christian that we we try to spiritualize everything. And um, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine. He was sharing some you know ways felt, and he was like, "Well, the devil is a liar because I don't have it." It's like, no, you do. <laughs> you gotta name it. I mean, you keep telling yourself you're not depressed or you're not feeling something, but yet you're feeling that way. So I'm like, mm. you know, the devil might be a liar, but that is what you're feeling. So you gotta be real with it. And then, you know, let, let's talk about it practically. You know, right. and the other thing I'll echo something that Sherry said earlier, that you, I, I have my people who I reach out there with. It was not too long ago, I was feeling in a depressed mode. and. You know, I had to call some people. Sherry's one of them. I'm like, I don't know what's going on with me. I'm just not feeling myself. I'm off kilter. And like, can you pray with me? And, and as she testified without a doubt, she's like, I'm on it. And, you know, I call her back to this lady and I told her, I said, look, maybe the devil, you know, they heard you coming and they left because the moment I talked to you, I just felt like something just left me right there. And you see, that's the point about it. You know, you can't mask it. Be like, you know, I don't have it. You have it. You're going through yes. it. So let's talk about it. Let's yes. be real about yes. what's going on. Um, you know, you go back to, you know, even Jesus, when he was healing the blind man, he said, what do you want me to do for you? You know, that's a very specific question. Verbalize what's going on. Mm -hmm. Verbalize what Jesus, that I may receive my sight. Okay, now I know what to do to you. Mm -hmm. Now that you understand what you want, I understand what you want. Now I can give you something. Yeah. And sometimes we don't know how to verbalize it, right? We don't really know how we're feeling. And so what do we do? We reach out to someone who can intercede on our behalf and they'll get it. Got to give it to them and, and know what specifically what to pray for. Because sometimes you can't really define how you feel, but you know you, you're off. You don't, you don't feel yourself, right? And, right. We have to allow people to, to feel that way and to be like that. I'm going to bring um, Joseph in, our little millennial friend, and um, let him give us some feedback from the millennial side. Hey, y'all. Hey. hey. So um, where we, where you want me to start off? Because we, we got the conversation was just, you know, amazing. So and that's gonna... what we're going. We're just going with it. Uh, you know, we, we're talking about right now how people are dealing with depression or how they're dealing with what they're dealing with as believers. Yeah. Um, as a believer, it's yeah. OK, so I, I, I remember being before COVID, like a couple of years ago, I was in the craziest of crazies um, when it came to life experiences and trauma and stuff like that. And just starting what I called a wholeness journey. Um, I believe that Jesus and the therapist make a great and successful life. Um, and so I had to be able to recognize and start calling some stuff out and say, you know what, it's okay to feel you know anxious in this moment because if I can respond to it and call it out what it is, then I can be healed in that moment or be healed in the process of what I'm going through. And I always attribute it back to when Adam and Eve fell from grace, quote unquote, and how God came into the cool of the day. He said, you know, Adam, where are you? And it wasn't that he was looking for Adam's location. He wanted Adam to be able to articulate and be able right. to say, where are you? Like, I'm here in this right. moment. And I believe that even in the midst of going through my divorce at the time, you know, and that was the most traumatic thing that I had ever happened to me in my entire existence um, that prepared for the pandemic, because I, I can't imagine not being equipped the way that God has equipped me to be and going into this pandemic, because, man, 
when you're isolated by yourself because you're mandated by the government mm -hmm. to stay away from people, it's better, it's, it's a whole different ball of wax. So, I mean, just being able to, um, we tell the kids at school, um, self-talk, identify what you're dealing with, what you're going through, you know, and, and rely totally on God's presence to, to carry you through. Yes, and I, I agree with you. We're actually having a segment coming up, Faith and Therapy, um, because they, they go together. And mm -hmm. it's, it's okay to seek counsel, especially mm -hmm. wise counsel. Right, mm -hmm. so it's, it's okay to do that. We have Miss um, Nancy Smith joining us today. How are you, Miss Nancy? <laughs> oh, you know, it's been a day. <laughs> Hi, yes. everybody. Hi. So you want to chime in? Well, tell me where we are. I, I had a hard time getting in this time, so I've been trying to get I, in. I saw you. Me. I saw you struggling. We were talking about depression. Mm -hmm. Someone brought up, yeah. um, you know, Christians being depressed um, yeah. during this time. You know, it's not just from the pandemic. It's it's from a plethora of things that you know they they have been experiencing, um, and then the pandemic just added to um, what they were already dealing with. Absolutely. I, I can you hear me good? Yes, yes. You know, I read something yesterday that uh, someone posted and it said uh, that people don't fake depression, they fake being okay. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and I'll have to say that, you know, I was excited. You know, I'm, I'm a, a mother of four, but they're grown kids and I cannot, re I could not remember a time that, um, I was by myself or got the luxury of just hearing nothing. You know, I, for as long as I can remember, you know, somebody has been under the roof with me if it wasn't one of my siblings, you know, mm -hmm. my children. And so I was excited a few years ago about having, not necessarily about being single, but about having space to myself. But I know I can say that since we've been confined, um, I think I told you about before, and the reasons why we're confined, I don't enjoy um, being in here um, alone anymore based on the reasons And I find, you know, because I can't move and like I normally do. All I do is um, we're back at work now and um, we do the broadcast for, uh, for church. But I, I, I find that I do feel, you know, like am I depressed? You know, just I think it has a lot to do with the reasons why we can't you know, do life like we normally do. And I'm experiencing feelings that I've never felt before. And I, you know, I enjoy my long time. I'm a, I'm a creative person. So, you know, a creative person needs to shut out the noise. But I find that I need, I miss the noise. I miss, you know, being able to just see my family or I can't mm -hmm. tell you the last time I actually embraced somebody. So it's, um, it's a lot. And then the, the, um, I've experienced several deaths in Alaska. I moved, uh, I'm in Arizona, but Alaska was home for the last 28 years, five years ago. And, I, and because of this pandemic, I haven't been able to get any closure on people that are really close to me. I'm not used to that. I'm used to, I'm just, it is just thrown us into something that I'm not used to. So, you know, we that we're okay because we're the strong people, the leaders yeah. of the church and, the, and all of that. And um, I'm not as strong as I thought I was, you know, in that area. And so mm -hmm. I, I think it's, it's 
just just sometimes. Yeah. And you know, I think about the elderly too who are, you know, yeah. they're they're always expecting visits, you know, and they can't have that. They can't see their grandchildren or or anything yeah. like that. It's, it's difficult for them. And then they're slipping away because they don't have anything else. So usually that's what keeps them alive, right? Um, going to church. So now we can't come together and fellowship um, like we normally would. How are you guys dealing with not being able to be in the house of God? I have not gone back into um, into a church building um, during this pandemic, but um, I teach um, once a week and then I'm getting some teaching um, online um, and I'm, I'm studying, but it's not the same of being in the house. I miss it. I ain't even go front. I thought I wasn't going to miss it, but I missed it. Oh, my goodness. And the church that I've been going to in Douglasville, they shut, they, they, they shut the doors again. So it's like, I'm like, oh, my goodness. I, I really do miss it. I didn't think I would, but I did. And I actually took a break from church for a good little while. But honestly, like, I'm at the point I'm ready now. I'm ready to get back in and, you know, do all of these things. I miss it. And I could just, I felt the spirit, like, tugging at my, you know, just tugging at me. Like I need to find somewhere to be planted. You know, if I'm gonna live in Douglasville, I need I need to be planted somewhere. And um, uh, but man, I miss it a lot, a whole lot. Right. So we we have someone that just um said, I'm I'm a born again Christian who loves the Lord, but I just don't understand this thing called death. I will um I will be burying my mom tomorrow and I just don't get it. I will never question God because this, this is, this is His will. Um, so, anybody want to touch on that one? Because death is a touchy subject. It's, it's. I just experienced a death in our family, and I'm still not over it. You know, it's the last death that our family has really experienced. Really, was my grandfather in 1986 um, within our immediate family like that, and. I'm still not settled with it as a believer. And it's comforting to know that my um, cousin was also a believer, but you're still going to miss them, right? They're no longer here. And it's something that happened in our generation. And so it's, it's a struggle. So how will you um, console or to speak to um, Melissa? Well, I lost my mom in uh, 2016. And, and I buried my grandparents who actually raised me, my grandmother and my grandfather. And so grief is a process. There's multiple stages of grief, even as a believer. The comfort that comes with being a believer is just that the Holy Spirit, the comfort, the comforter. And God himself uh, reached now. I know there were times I felt God himself hugging and, and keeping me while I moved and I definitely couldn't do it by myself. I ended up going to uh, counseling, just free counseling. Our church was equipped with that. And uh, and I, I'm, I'm grateful for that because being able to be in a group where there were other women uh, who were also sharing their stories, women had lost her mom and then became home. There's, there's, you know, loss can have layers to it, depending on what circumstance was known. There was a financial burden, uh, being able to afford to bury them. All those things can add more and more layers to the grief 
uh, before you can peel apart and really just look at what God's will was in this matter. You're still dealing with uh, the human side, the feeling, the missing. Missing prolongs for some time, you know. But it, I think that what I've learned about grief is making sure that grief doesn't take on the point where I can no longer function the way God <clears throat> so, so initially, yes, I'm. I gotta sit down because I've been altered, and I have to. I need my village or whoever's in my life, my church family or friends, and other people come in and kind of, you know, supplement for that time. But then there's a period of time where you have to be careful that your your grief doesn't become like this piece of jewelry that you just wear, and uh, and it and it gets in the way of you finishing and dealing with other. things already a concern and an issue prior So because grief will come to do that, it'll come to mask other things and then anything that goes wrong, anything go bad, we tack it all back to that to that loss. It really issue. And so for right now, as you just lost your mother, it is normal and natural to miss her and to even question God and be concerned. And just I, I encourage you to just go through your stages. Don't try to skip any of them. Go through all of them and, and then let people in. Let at least one, let someone in to help you move through those stages. Definitely. I can I can tackle it from a, a different angle too. Um we my uncle just passed um January thirty first. And prior to, it was like I was experiencing a death every single month um, since June of last year. And But the, the angle that I kind of want to touch it on is a grandson grieving for his grandparents because I had to be the one to tell my grandparents with my mom that their oldest son had passed. And this was my grandparents' second child within a 24-year period that had passed. And... Um, it was heart wrenching, you know. It's it's never, it's grieving for like you. You have the empathy. You're empathetic towards you know those that are you know you're trying to be strong for, and then it hits you, and then it's like okay, well, how do you deal with it? And I, it like you know Chelsea said, it comes in waves. Grief is, grief is something else. It's it's one of those things where it's like if you don't properly grieve in a healthy manner. Right. It could kick you so far left 17 years later, and you're wondering, why am I still in the same situation that I, I was in 17 years ago? Because I didn't deal with that loss, you know, in, in, in that time period. And then the comfort in knowing, too, and I have to remind myself this, too, when a believer dies, it's not a loss for us. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's right. a gain for heaven. And, you know, it's it's almost like, and I'm careful in how I say it, we are so, as Chelsea said also, like we're so caught up in the, the physical aspect of it because yes, it, it's a ripping. You know, I, I don't know what it's like to lose a parent and God knows that I, I pray that I don't have to deal with that for another 75 years. <laughs> I mean, I'm 32 now and, I, and I'm exaggerating the, you know, the time period because I know it, it'll happen, um, but to know that you know you have loved ones that are believers is a definite plus because to be absent yeah. from the body is to be present with the Lord and to be right. if they're better off there, they ain't thinking about us, you know. But it's yeah. but God is God is going to cover 
and I know Melissa Michelle, like he's going to cover, he's going to 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 hold in the in the palm of your of his hand because there's so much purpose that's left, you know, and that there's a testimony that comes out and God will get the testimony out because he's processing us. Right. And, you know, I, I took um, a course in um, grief and loss and you didn't I didn't realize that there can be so many loss, uh, especially mm-hmm. other than death as well. But the key for those who experience death um, as a loss is to allow them to grieve whichever way they want to grieve and mm-hmm. how long they want to grieve. You can't say, oh, it's been two years now. Get yourself together. No. You can't say that to a person that's grieving. Right. Um, you can't um, you can't give them a time limit and you can't tell them how to grieve because some people are still in a state of shock. Um, right. They experience that death. So they're not they haven't released it yet. So they may not release it to a week, two weeks later, maybe a month later, maybe even a year later that they because they they camouflaged it or they masked it. Um, but we have to allow people to grieve. However, uh they want to they want to grieve um april says depression slips in so easily be prepared mm-hmm. to encourage and that's so true yes ma'am before we move um on from the lady who's burying her mother tomorrow i just wanted to say um that um march the 19th of this year will be 20 years mm. my mother passed away it feels like the first year so I, I'm, I'm only able to move through life without my mother by the grace of God. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'd have to repeat um, what the other young lady said is that you just allow yourself to feel and go through the steps of grief. Grief is a very strange thing to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know if I'd get on today because we just lost somebody um, a uh, 28-year-old young man, very close to my family. And, you know, just the fit of everything that's surrounding it, knowing that we can't get back up there to have any closure. You just have to get all the help that you need and yeah. cry when you want to cry. I remember, you know, my kids were young and I did not want them to see me, for lack of a better term, freaking out. In, I didn't want to do it in front of them. So I remember driving home and screaming literally in the car every day. And so that by the time I got to the house, that gut-wrenching feeling that was on the inside of me was out and I was able to move and be a mom you know, that they that they, they could depend on. Um, I remember getting five, day, five days of grief off from my job. Now, you know, that's just unheard of. And I remember my um, the, the new manager came to my cubicle and said, what's wrong with you? You've been, you know, you haven't been very friendly. You, you He was new. He didn't really know me, you know, and um, and I looked at him when my mother died last week and um, he, he was very derogatory and tell, basically told me I needed to get it together. And so I asked him, had he lost his mother? And I said, was his mother alive? And he said that she was alive. I said, well, well, you can't possibly understand how I feel. I'm doing the best that I can I'm in my cubicle. I'm getting my work done. I'm not bothering anybody. I'm not nothing is lacking and because of that situation they brought in a grief counselor to the job because two of two of the other people that worked in the hr department with me had also lost their mom in the like weeks apart three of us so 
you know, they made him apologize to me and all of that. Grief is a very hard thing to go through. Everybody grieves differently. You know, um, I, my mother had six kids and only five of them were at her funeral because we couldn't find and contact one of my brothers. So imagine him calling two years later saying mm. that mother sent her phone number. I'm trying to contact her. Oh my God. And, oh my God. and not being able to, to, to have any real closure with that. You know, it, it's a devastating thing. So I say feel what you need to feel, get the help that you need, and just know that God is God is amazing. He was amazing. I know that only God kept me sane you know, through that process. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I just want to share that. Yeah. Well, um, can I say something while we're on the topic of grief? And I don't want to belabor the point, but I was listening to everyone speak and I thought about my life because this March will be three years since my husband died and my little girls, we have four girls, um, two 24 year olds now, a 10 year old and a nine year old. And um, at the time, my nine year old was six and my 10 year old was seven. Here we are three years later, right? And people would think, I remember the first thing people would say to me is, did you get help for them? Are they going to counseling? And I had to say to them, Grieve, grieving is a process and it's natural. And I have to let them live it out because what am I going to go and tell the therapist? Oh, my kids lost their dad and they're sad. I mean, that's going to happen. But I'm saying all this to say, because when I lost my mom, I was six years old and I never grieved my mother because I never really knew her. And it wasn't until my children lost their dad that I started to grieve my mother. So you're talking about 43 years later, you know, or like 40 years later, here I am now grieving my mom because wow. no one allowed me to. It was kind of like, she's she's been gone. You didn't even know her. She's been gone for, you know, like, why do you hurt on Mother's Day? So, I mean, every Mother's Day I would cry. I couldn't explain it. I would just be crying every Mother's Day. Um, so now with my children, I tell them it is going to hurt for the rest of your life. You are going to miss your father for the rest of your life. When you graduate from high school, when you graduate from college, you get married. I mean, you're going to have moments where you remember him. You are going to miss him. And when you want to cry, I'm here. Because I think oftentimes we tell people, girl, you still, I mean, my husband died three years ago. I, I still, it's, it feels like it just happened. I was there when he took his last breath. That in itself is PTSD. Because you literally watch someone leave. And so I'm processing different parts of his departure. I'm processing the caregiving part, watching a man who was full of life, working out at the gym five days a week, watch him walk with a cane, then push him in a wheelchair. So I'm grieving that, the loss of youth and vitality. I'm losing uh, a mate. Mm -hmm. I'm, lose, I'm grieving the partner. I'm grieving the father. I'm grieving the possibilities, what could have been. So I think we just have to allow people to be and be there and listen and don't tell anyone how they should grieve or how they and who they should, you know, not everybody needs to go see a counselor because grieving is natural. It's an, I mean, Jesus wept. 
when he heard that Lazarus died, but it wasn't because he was sad because his, he knew he died, but he wept for his sisters because he felt their pain. And I think oftentimes we're so unempathetic because we're just like, girl, I mean, this man been gone for three years. And even to, to, to tell someone, have you started dating? Like, mm -hmm. and let's touch on that for a minute, if you, if you might. I, I don't understand. Me personally, I've seen men, their wives die, and a year later they're married. And I've seen it with a couple of men. And for me, I'm like, how is your heart? Is it because you're using someone to numb the pain or to get over the loss? Or do you genuinely, are, are you genuinely ready for companionship because you feel like, oh, you know what? I love my wife, but I'm open for another relationship. Because I personally believe that sometimes we're using people to medicate because I'm like, how do you just move on after 20 something years of being together, 30 something years? How do you like, how do you marry the deaconess, <laughs> you know, a year later at the church y'all both went to or yeah. the usher or the, you know what I'm saying? The person who y'all both used to have family dinners with, how do you just like move on? And how does that woman even open her heart to you? Because for me, I'm looking at it like, it's, I believe it's somewhat of a, like a rebound. And I know we kind of went off topic because this had to do, you know, with someone losing a mother, but it also has to now do with, you know, other things like how do you move on in a healthy way where you're not using people to medicate? Anyone want to jump in? in? That's, that's interesting. The only thing that we can do is, is, is pray. And those who don't know the Lord is to seek those who, who can intercede on their behalf and then yeah. just allow them to process however they need to process. Um, some people are going to, to grab someone because some, I, I, I find that most people don't know how to live without someone else. Right. Mm -hmm. So they don't know how to be alone. Some people are afraid to be alone. So they need someone and that's why they get them right away to kind of mask yeah. or to, 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 to fill that void, if you will. But um, so it, it goes back to people grieve differently. So if that's how they're dealing with their grief, then yeah. so be it. Let them do what they need to do. Um, but we, we can't control how, how yeah. they, they actually grieve. Yeah. Um, April, we're sorry for um, your loss. And I know it's challenging with the COVID of not being able to, to attend the, the funerals. And that piece alone hurts, you know, not being able to attend the services. Um, so um, I wanted to talk about, um, we were talking about that and I lost my train of thought. Who um, wants to know, Sherry, you know, how do I gracefully bow out without hurting anyone? Um, I would I would say if you have a family member who you've lost and there's a funeral and you can't go, I, I do believe this is a time where we have to be very understanding of travel and travel restrictions, the fact that you're on an airplane or a bus, whatever the mode of transportation is, when you get there, um, there's just a lot going on. And I, I believe that you just have to be honest with your family members. You know, at this time, I, I don't believe I could come because there's so many uncertainties and there's so many things that, you know, I don't know, I'm not comfortable with. And I don't even want to come there and be someone who's asymptomatic and get y'all, you know. Exactly. And so that's and get your peace from God because it may not, it's, it very possibly will not come from others. I'm learning that when I have taken something to the Lord and I've made a decision that I have to have peace with that. Mm -hmm. The people you love may not always understand some of your choices. 
Yeah. yeah. And I would say that, you know, you're right, that some people may not understand, but uh, at the same time, you have to make the decision that's best for you. It, right. it's, it's a sensitive time for everyone. And if you're not fully there in your own mind for whatever the reason might be, you know, you say, it, and people may not understand, and that's got to be okay. Yeah. Um, you know, because I know that I had a family member that passed away now, it's been a few years, and I could not go. And some family members were down on me for that. And I just said, the circumstances as it is, is I cannot go. Mm -hmm. And I just had to leave it there, yeah. um, irregardless of how they feel. I know how I feel, know what I was going through, but everybody's not going to understand. Mm -hmm. And so as long as you make the best decision you can make at the time, um, you make that and you move on. Right. right. Mm -hmm. That's so true. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. The sound natural, a natural hair care brand. Beautiful hair, beautiful you. Our natural hair care hair growth line consists of hydration moisture cream which helps maintain moisture for your hair strands. Visit us today at www.thecellnatrielle.com or visit us in person at 44 Main Street, New Britain, Connecticut, 06051. The Cell Natrielle, beautiful hair, beautiful you. In order for electricity to flow properly, it first must be connected to a powerful source. Ladies and gentlemen, we introduce to you The Plug, People Living Under Grace, a podcast that's designed to connect all of us to the God of our salvation through His Son, Jesus Christ. Dive in with us weekly as we talk about hot topics such as families, relationships, politics, you name it, we talk about it. So grab your popcorn, grab your favorite friend or your loved one, because The Plug is on, and get ready to get plugged in. Thank you for staying with us. Those were our sponsors. We had to allow that to take place. We hope that you would um, support them. Um, we're back. We were talking about um, dealing with grief um, and how so many people deal with grief differently. Um, during this um, pandemic, we have experienced a lot of deaths. Um, some were unexpected, some were expected, um, but no matter how much time you get or um, what I mean by time, no matter when you're told someone has a certain time to live, it still is not going to, to help yeah. the situation. You're still going to grieve as if it just suddenly happened. Right. We, uh, I know I said someone in our immediate family um, just passed, but a few years ago, um, I call her my sister and nobody can't tell me she wasn't my sister. Um, um, she was very close to our family, was friends with my family before I actually was even born, but that was my sister. And so I'm still dealing with her death as well. Um, and Facebook doesn't help with the memories, right? So there's some some good memories that come up. And then there are some memories that causes you to, to slip back in 
um, to that place of missing that that mm -hmm. loved one. Yeah. Oh yeah. So um, yeah. So we're dealing with grief. So we had some other comments on on that subject. Um, uh, this one is: I don't feel I have grieved my mom's death yet. It's like I blocked it every time it comes up. Every time it comes up, come tears come to my tears come to my eyes, and I find something to do. Now every time I look at myself, I see my mother. It's hard for me to look in the mirror because I see her. Yeah. So for those who have experienced the death of a mom, I haven't, but I can only imagine, and I don't even want to think about it. But for those who have. Um, experience that can you touch on that i know exactly what she's feeling because i look exactly like my mom in fact i turned into her more and more with time yeah and uh it seems like when she left i literally got the full essence of her <laughs> like this overnight right and um so i know that feeling as soon as i heard her say looking in the mirror and feeling that i even had we even had a relative that on a distance one because he said well you because we're a family, we reminded her of the love that had passed. We didn't really want to be around anyone. We didn't want to be reminded for that season. And so, uh, yeah, that's that's very challenging. And I do believe this is one of those those exceptions where you definitely do want to reach out to maybe some type of or counsel. And it may start off from a, you know, there's your spiritual counsel if you feel more comfortable starting there. And then they might be able to recommend you out too. You know. But I think there's, there is there is a way to love people uh, in their grief because you don't want, you love people, you don't want people to, to be grieving to the point where their behavior turns dysfunctional. They, like I said, they cannot function in life. That's love. Loving people sometimes means helping people and people. That's part of uh, having the discipleship relationship having accountability partners. Those things God asked us to put in place for a reason because guys, when we left to ourselves, we can't take care of ourselves. And so sometimes you do need people in your, your life to help you move uh, through that process. This is definitely one of those times when you have acknowledged yourself that you can't get past it. So now we do need some help. Now we do need some help uh, to reach out. Yeah, so Nancy, um, <clears throat> I want to know, do you have that challenge? You look just like your mom. I've seen um, the pictures. Yeah, I look just like my mom. Mm -hmm. Just like I, her. So I do. How do you deal with it? In the beginning, it was hard for me um, because of, like this young lady is saying, because of the reminder. Um, I, I, uh, I love it now, you know, but at the, you know, in the beginning, it was something that I, you know, my hands, I look at my hands and my hands are her hands. And um, I have, a, where I'm sitting right now is where I do everything. So there's a big picture of her right here um, that I, you know, you, I, I've always had this picture up wherever I live, but I haven't necessarily always looked at it, you can understand. Um, I knew it was there, but now, you know, I take time to stare at it and I'm, I'm able to, it's the bottom line is that with time, time and prayer are is what's going to be on your side. Um, with time, 
things get easier. You have you have to go through the process of of grieving, like we're saying. And those things that are hard right now, you know, with God they just get better later. But more so in the beginning, I didn't like that I could see her in me um, because it was a constant reminder. Now, you know, I love it. My daughters have something. All of us have this right here of my mom, the babies, the grandbabies, everybody. So it, it'll become something that you appreciate, you know, with time. I mean, in the beginning, yeah, it, it, everything is hard. I'm just being real. Everything is hard. Yeah. Every reminder is hard. Yeah. So I believe that this is helping those who are experiencing um, a loss, mm -hmm. um, especially a parent. You know, parents will Absolutely. say they want to for their children and children say they want to leave before their parents um, because it's, it's, it's so challenging um, to deal with, right? It's that you already have that natural bond and then that person is no longer around where you can talk to, get advice from, you know, um, right? cook something, you know, or just to, to get some, some wisdom. Um, that person is no longer around. So it, it, it's challenging. So we have to be mindful of those who are grieving and allow them to, to go through the process. Mm -hmm. Even if they just want you there to sit with them, you don't have to say anything, just sitting with them um, will, will be helpful um, for those who have experienced the loss. Um, so it's kind of hard to move on from that because we had so much feedback from those who were actually experiencing loss. Um, so now I wanna, I wanna talk about, because um, we, we, we're here, can I just be real? That's what we're talking about, right? So, so let's talk about church hurt, right? Oh, so the, the church oh, hurt. Um, that's almost like my favorite topic. <laughs> that's, a, that's a topic I kind of shy away from, but at the same time, it's real. Um, people do experience church hurt. Oh, yeah. I think we experience church hurt because you're not expecting it right so it's just like a woman being in a relationship and she's not expecting to turn around and her husband slap her right so you're not expecting that in a home a place where you feel comfortable so being in church you you go there to get free you go there to get healed um but you don't expect to to walk away hurt so let's talk about that who want to dive in okay i experienced it before <laughs> I, I, okay, I experienced it before, but see, now see, here's the thing. This is what I took from it. I experienced it firsthand, and um, what I what I really took from the whole thing was, I think I, I made people into gods. I made people into who they weren't supposed to be, and you know, God had to show me that He is sovereign. He is just. He is holy. He is righteous, and He gives us His Holy Spirit in flesh form, like He puts it on His people. So, and the Holy Spirit is subject to all of us. He's not going to do anything that we don't allow him to do. Um, but once I came to the realization, now this is just me. I'm not talking about anyone else. Once I came to the realization that I elevated people higher than they needed to be, then I realized that I would no longer allow church hurt to affect me like it did before. Um, but I did experience it. It's, it's definitely real. Um, and I don't like for anybody to downplay it. I don't like for anybody to... You know, tell people, oh, you just get over it. Nope, nope, we're not doing that because you force people into a depression. You force people into 
not just leaving the church, but they'll leave Christ all the way around. Now, now mind you, mind you, I don't believe that you know Holy Spirit will let you get away like that. I don't. If you if you really got the Holy Spirit, He's not just gonna let you run away like that. But you yeah. have those people that are, you have those people that are teetering and they they really don't know. But and and if you catch them at the wrong time with the wrong thing, you will run them away. You'll never get them back. Yeah. And that's why we have a lot of stuff going running around today. A lot of foolishness is running around today, and people passing it off as a belief system that you know nobody's really benefiting from. That's true. Anybody else want to touch on that? Y'all scared? Well, no. I mean, I'll I mean, I think the worst the worst hurt is when you have a friend who's in the church because right. you're looking at it like not only is this person my friend, but this person is a believer. And I've experienced church hurt in a way where my friend, I've had two friends ghosted me. When I say ghosted me, like just stop talking to me mm -hmm. and never even told me what I did. And that's the worst part because you just know that your calls are not getting answered or you just, they just don't happen anymore. And, or you are the one calling all this time. You never paid attention to the fact that the individual was not reaching out to you. And so you have those situations where, you know, those relationships and, and I was talking to someone recently, those hurt. You know, when you lose a friend, especially a believer, it's like a relationship. It's like yeah. with someone in the opposite sex. It's like a relationship gone bad without there's no resolution. There's no closure. You're mm -hmm. like seeking answers. You know, you're like, you're like, what happened? And you're left with that. And it hurts. It really, really hurts because it's not like, you know, you're casual and, you know, these are people who you know, you trust, you love, you're close to, they have intimate details of your life and you have intimate details of their lives. And then one day that's it. It just doesn't happen anymore. And it's subtle. The worst part is when, you know, it's okay when you have like a, a disagreement because you could say, well, I said, and you said, and we said, and maybe you could even get a mediator who could say, well, you shouldn't have said that. You shouldn't have said that. But it's when nothing is said and you're like, what happened? Yeah. Um, because the scripture tells us a, a offended brother is hard to win than a strong city, right? Mm -hmm. So it, you do feel that. And and when sometimes when they get hurt, like Daryl said, they leave the church body. Yeah. So they look at everybody as if they hurt. And it may have just one, been one individual. Yeah. That's how deep that hurt is where now I don't want to deal with the rest of the church. I don't want to deal with nobody's church. Not just the church I was in, but church. And then they label us, right? So they say all church people just the same, but we are not all just the same, right? right. Well, there, there are two types of people who I would say are hurt, you know, experience church hurt. The believer who understands the, the you know, that the weapons of the enemy and that the bait of Satan is going to be a fence. There's a book called The Bait of Satan, and it just talks about how the enemy does use a spirit of offense against us as a weapon. Yeah. Because he knows that we're going to be in our feelings like, I don't like the way she said that. I didn't like the way she looked at me. You know, he knows we're going to be in our flesh. So you have that. But then you also have the new believer 
who opens up their heart and they're just ready to receive Christ and be a part of this wonderful church family, right? Because that's what we do. We love on each other. But then they get there and there's no acceptance. There's no love. There's criticism. There's judgment. And they're like, why am I here? Like when I was up in the club, like people were cool with me. When I was out there in the streets, I had mad love. Now I'm in the church where I'm supposed to be living a Christian life. And these people are funny acting. And you and I know that some of the most funny acting people are in the in the church. You know, um, if you're a new believer and you're walking with some ripped up jeans, I mean, they won't look at you up and down, depending on which church you're at. Like, what is she wearing? As opposed to, you know what? Come on in. You know, you're here to be healed. You're here to be made whole. Don't worry about what you're wearing. But instead, you will make to be. They will make you feel like you're an outsider. Some churches have done that, and that's how you gain the, the the new believers. But you don't keep them. A lot of churches are seeing where they're losing members because you cannot keep the members because of the hurt that's in the church and the hurts that that's not being addressed. I think conversations like this um, should be in the church where you have those sessions um, mm-hmm. for people to speak. Because church is not a bad place um, for those right. watching. Church is a, is a good place to be. Um, there's there's true fellowship in the church. You get strengthened in the church. You get healed in the church. Um, but we do experience that side where you are hurt again because you're not expecting it to be. And you know why are we hurt? Because first we can't be ourselves, mm-hmm. right? So we have to go with that denomination's agenda of I keep talking about the formalities of what they have, and so we have to cut through that before we even get to to Jesus. And so instead of bringing someone always to church, bring them to Christ, bring them to Jesus and and just pray for them. Um, But you know, while we're talking about church and you know, you talk about keeping it real, why are we not seeing more millennials become members of churches? You know, that is really a problem that the church is dealing with right now where they're losing members because um, they now have to look at how do we get um, the millennials to, to, to hear the word or hear the gospel when there's so many other alternatives out there, new age religion and, you know, just do, do what makes you happy. And, you know, God loves you just the way you are. And you don't need you don't need to organize religion. And, you know, I mean, we could go all day with this, but we really have a problem where when we see people leaving and then we see people not coming in. There are churches that are going bankrupt. There are church doors that are closing because they're losing members. I remember one church in particular, 20 years ago, I would go to this church. It would be packed. I mean, parking lot, jam, packed. 20 years later, I mean, I go in there, I'm like, it looks like the way it looks on summer. You know, it's summertime when people go away on vacation, you know, the church is a little scanty because people are, you know, they're taking family vacations and kids are out of school. They're going to see relatives. But when you go to a church that was jam-packed 20 years ago and you're seeing half the, half the capacity, something is wrong. Your church should be fledging. It should be growing, right? Right. I think there are many churches that are still growing and flourishing. Uh, our church in particular uh, started a ministry just for millennials, just for the millennials. It's called Generate. And, um, and, they're, and they're thriving. Uh, I think we have to be careful with um, taking experiences and making them the, which is what happens with people who have church hurt sometimes. I, I like there. I appreciate you speaking to the maturing, which is perfecting, which is the word of God uses. 
that you let God do with you because you still belong to God in spite of whatever you experience. And that, right. I think it's, we have, what's happening is that the word of God is not being taught accurately and thoroughly in a lot of houses. And I think that's a, a big issue right there, which is making sure we are bringing people to Christ and not bringing people to people. Because when you bring people to people, you are going to get disappointed because yep. I am human. And that's an understanding you don't have to go to church to have. That just comes from living. Mm, if you've right. lived and been living long enough, you should know that people are fallible. But mm. God is not. Mm. And, and that's the right. thing. I, I, I always say his love has never failed me. Right? His love, his love has never. I failed him. I failed him. And this is why it's so important to make sure that people truly get delivered. A lot of times I tell people, when you get baptized, you know you just wet with issues, right? You mm -hmm. just at the beginning stage of mm -hmm. really working out what's wrong with you. And here's the thing. I knew I had a whole lot of stuff I'd experienced that was wrong with me. So my, my vision of how I was viewing people and how even my hearing of how I was hearing people was still damaged by my sin. Yes, I, I, I'm free in Christ. Yes, I have surrendered. I have said yes. But there was still a process that I was still going through because of how I merged my life with sin. And we forget that. We, we have to tell people that, that the journey is just beginning because something that will skew how you deal with authority. That's why some people got multiple jobs and never kept one job because they have a problem with authority. You don't have a problem with a pastor. You're gonna have a problem with leadership. We have to make sure that we're we're honestly putting uh, responsibility where it belongs. God, God comes for us individually, and when He comes for us individually, He's coming. I'm coming for a new creation, right? But the new creation is in a process still, right? And He's gonna complete it. He promises that, right? We forget that the Word of God is is useful for training in righteousness. If it says that it's useful for training in righteousness, that means that's I'm in class. I'm, I'm a disciple. I'm in discipleship. I'm, in I'm I'm learning, and I think it's so important to make sure that we're telling people that you know we're just learning. So if you run to another brother, another to have an issue, they learn it too, and you can you don't have the backdrop of their story of all the stages of what they've had to go through. This is why the is so important. Yes. Home suffering, meekness, peace. Those things have nothing to do with another individual. This mm -hmm. is God says, if you come and sit with me and spend time with me, I'm going to give you everything you need, even when another person don't give it. Hallelujah. Even when another person don't give it, I'll give you everything you need. So now I'm depositing you. Now people can withdraw for you. Even when people don't do right by you. I got you set so good to the Holy Spirit that even when people withdraw from you, you are not depleted. It's having a proper balance. And then, yes, of course, in leadership. I had church hurt as a leader, as a as a female minister. I went through church hurt. And and like Brother Daryl, there are aspects of it. When I came out of it, I looked at it and I said, you know what? Some of it was maturing. It was a perfecting of me that God allowed it. God, sovereign God, allowed that experience. So I'm not going to waste that lesson because it'll come back right, to me right. again. So I, I learned from that experience. But at the same time, I also learned as a leader, I'm a better leader now because what I experienced where there were mistakes made, I'm more conscious and aware of that 
for how I am with people. And I do believe church needs to have, there needs to be a balance of power. Everybody should have somebody they answer to, a council of elders. If we read the Bible, it's all set up in there. There is a way a church should be framed where there is no one person making the final say and call. That only God can really do that. And so I think there's so many layers that we can look at that relate to church hurt. But let's deal with the person, the, the, the person, the member that's walking into the church, having these experiences. You and your time with God and what you God got going on is going to be your greatest weapon. Your time in the word. How? And if you're not in a house where you're not being taught and you're not getting fortified, it says we wear the armor, right? You, if you're not being fortified in the word, there's a reason why it keep, you keep getting penetrated by stuff because you don't have your armor on and you're not you're probably in the house because mama went there grandma went there and that's just that's what and that's where my boo go but if it's not the house that god has called you to you're in the wrong place so we need to also make sure we're in the right house so there's a whole lot of layers we can look at to this this church thing and i think that's fair to to, to leaders who are who've been called by god and are mere men and mere women themselves and i think that's fair to those who actually have experienced church hurt because people are untrained or they were unlearned, they were operating in their sensitization. Amen. You know, people people got to realize two things. You know, God gives his perfect spirit to imperfect people. Mm-hmm. And not just that, I think this is the, I think this is the biggest part the church sins and myths right here. We're still living in New Testament times. So we're really carrying out everything that Jesus is supposed to do. He hadn't come back yet. So I think the church loses it where we try to hold on to things of old when time has just moved on yet we're still trying to catch the same fish with the same you know we're trying to catch new fish with the same bait mm-hmm. no that bait is old it's time for us to just yeah i mean technology is a thing now like i honestly don't expect the church to go back to like it used to be especially after this pandemic people have you know people can give online now they can worship online now they can do all of these things now and you know we, we don't want to forsake the assembly of, of ourselves, but at the end of the day, some people are just not going to come back. I mean, it is what it is. So technology, technology right now is the church's friend, yeah. but we still have to know how to use this to our advantage. There's no way the world is supposed to be ahead of us in things that we do that God gave us that, to advance his kingdom. I'm sorry. It, it just doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I could say, and I agree with you, um, Daryl, and I also agree with you, Chelsea. One of the things that I I agree with, you know, when you start going through certain things, you start looking at yourself. You start right. saying, is it me? Am I taking right. things personally, right? Am I sensitive, right? Am I deserting correctly? Now, when when the pandemic happened and we were all brought home, for me, I'm like, I still need to disciple my children because my goal was never to just bring them to church and drop them off and let the pastor do the job. So what the blessing has been in this for me is I do my church online because I have not been back into the building, but I still watch my ch- my church service from my church online from my pastor. Uh, my children, we're still doing um, our sermon notes, you know, so whatever it is the pastor went over. We're going through it over the week because I had to realize that, oh, my gosh, the respect, the res- responsibility for us, for parents, we have to disciple our children because a lot of us were brought to church. We were not discipled. We were drug, 
by our grandparents or our parents, right? We're brought to church. And then we were just kind of in it. And then at one point, we're just like, well, I'm not even doing this. When you get to the age where you don't have to anymore, you're like, well, I'm not even doing this. And you stray away until sometimes something pivotal happened. You call out to Jesus. You realize, oh, my gosh, like it's real. It's like it really works. Like if I call on him, it really works. And so you come back to the full because the Bible says train up a child in the way he should grow so that when he go grow old, you won't depart from it. And so my, that's my goal for my kids. I'm not saying that they're going to have the perfect childhood and they're just going to love the Lord and go to church for the rest of their life. But I know that that's going to be their foundation. And for me, I think the number one thing why we're going to see people not going back to church or people falling along the, off the way is because we don't live it. I, I need to know that my children see me the way I, I am in church. If I'm in church praising the Lord and singing hymns and speaking in tongues, I need to go to my house. So that they're not yeah. different people my children are seeing. Like, I'm just so holy on Sunday mornings. I'm just so holy at Bible study. But when I'm in the house, I'm cussing up a storm and I'm acting crazy. And they're like, ooh. Because we have seen that. I know we have seen adults in our lives yeah. where they were so holy, but we know the real deal. We know that, you know, they would do a little cigarette smoking in the back or they cuss or they drank a little bit. You know, they were tipping the elbows. You know, so I think for us at the end of the day, it's, Yes, we are seeing a fall off of membership. And yes, COVID is going to do that also. For us who have children and, and cousins and aunts, like my daughter has a friend and she calls me sometimes and says, you know, I'm having a, a rough day. Can you pray for me? And she'll tell me. And I said to Erin, it is important that you guys know how to pray. And I've sent, you know, scriptures and, 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 and books on how to read the Bible in 30 days and things like that to equip them because I don't want what happened to me to happen to them where I'm resting on my grandmother's faith. You know, we just riding on somebody's coattail and, and because, you know, they, they got it. I'm calling my grandmother to pray for me. You pray too. And I told my, my oldest child, 24 years old, I need you to get in the word because I'm not always going to be available to pray for you or pick up the phone when you're in a situation. So it's a combination of things where, you know, it's going to change. And I thought about just going into a building and I felt like God had to put a reset because some of us need to go home. We needed, some of us needed to go home and sit down. Honestly, I'm keeping it real. Some of us was just going to church because we wanted to say, yeah, check it off my list. I went to church today. Some of us needed to go home and go sit down and go think about, are you in a relationship with me or are you just a church goer? Right. So I we know. have to learn the difference between religion and relationship, but that's a, mm -hmm. another subject. But before we, we move on from this topic, I want to hear from um, our millennial, Joseph, um, <laughs> because we did have a question about that, how millennials dealing with this. And then um, Miss Nancy afterwards, um, because you were a preacher's kid. So um, if you can touch on that a little bit. <laughs> so Joseph. So it's it's interesting. Um, I was actually it's funny because the the plug the plug people are are watching, um, and they were um, we've had conversations like this too when it comes to relationship versus religion versus tradition, and we've also we've often come to the conclusion that unclear expectations or poor expectations can breed hurt. Period. Um, I've learned in in just dating back to history, right? When we talk about slavery and we talk about the enslavement of black people. Black people were not slaves. We were enslaved, right? And so just by changing the phraseology of that statement, I come from enslaved people, I experienced hurt at church. 
not I've experienced church hurt. Because if I put mm. the title of church hurt, then yes. it automatically raises up walls that yeah. I can't even myself knock down into the point where I know that I've attributed God to going to church, not experiencing God in my own personal life at home. Mm -hmm. And also understanding from the fact that I've been in places or in churches, um, a part of churches and growing up in church where I've experienced being verbally and mentally abused, not by adults, but by other peers that did not have a clue of who God was. We were just going with the motions. They didn't want to be there just as much as I didn't want to be there. But the fact of right. the matter of being honest about the situation is that, you know, they say that hurt people hurt people, but it's truly just if you take it out of the, the context of a philosophical standpoint, people hurt people. Right. We have and we are inclined to sin. We are inclined. We have certain right. proclivities that are in our genetic makeup because we were created from the dust of the earth. And we talk about contamination and how Satan ran through and all this other stuff. And we God expects us to sin. He knows what exactly that we're made up of. And the and the problem comes in being able to identify where I am in, in the process. And I can relate to um to Daryl when he said, you know, I put people in certain positions of leadership or authority over my life when I shouldn't have. I was calling every pastor dad. I was calling yep. every first lady mom. You know what I'm saying? Yep. That's not your mom. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah. not your dad. Now, if they're spiritually covering you and you and God has lead, led you to to identify them in that manner as being your spiritual father or parents, then that's one thing. But I can honestly say that there were times when I put titles on people that I shouldn't put titles on and then I got my feelings hurt. Mm -hmm. And then I'm the one that's left at the side wondering, well, how do I pick up the pieces? But I thank God, right? I thank God the word is very clear. Train up a child in the way that they should go. So, and they, they will not depart from it. My mother made me get up to go to church. I actually developed a love for serving and serving in God's house. I was one of the few people at Union Baptist Missionary Church on Shoulder Hill Road in Suffolk, Virginia, that was one of the youth to start shouting in church, speaking in tongues in church while everybody else was laughing. And I'm not, it's no shade to nobody because I'm friends with all those people that, 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 that trashed me. I'm friends with them because I love them with the love of God, but I also love them with the fact that God has shown grace to me that I can extend that grace to them. And I don't got no hard feelings for nobody, but we all were trying to get it where we could get it. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm grateful for just the, the upbringing because even in times of me being angry with church pe people, right? Because we wanna have that safe space. I go to work every day. I have to come home every day. I have to deal with the element every day. The least I wanna do is to be safe in the, in, in the house yeah. of God. You know what I'm saying? But we find out that, as they say, that church is considered to be a hospital, which I'm kind of tethering back and forth with that because I'm like, some people stay at the hospital for hours or for, for, for days because of their illnesses and they don't, they don't really recover to go back out to get more people. You don't, I, we want to bring them into the house to get them clean up, to get them out. You know what I'm saying? So it serves as a, as a hospital to an extent, but it's not an extended stay. <laughs> we are called outside of the four walls. And that's one of the Mom, things that this bro. pandemic has, has taught me. I, ha I just went back to church last Sunday. I'm, mm. a I'm a licensed minister. I say that all the time. But I had to step away for about four and a half months because of the pandemic and the numbers was crazy. And I was like, Jesus, be a fence all around me every day. But at the same time, I had to be honest. Like, you know what? I, I need to separate. My pastor had died. I it was a lot going on. 
And Saturday night, I got a, a unction to, I was like, you know what? You need to go to church, like go to church tomorrow. And I went and I was embraced by, you know, church family and, and friends, you know, and, and so on and so forth. But everybody's process is different. Mm-hmm. And and when when it's in you, when ministry is in you, you look at it differently. This pandemic has taught me to be able to say, you know what? I look at church differently. Yes, being a worship leader is awesome. Being a minister in the church, awesome. Being able to pray for people, that's awesome. But what are we doing when we leave the church and we have to live our lives Monday through Saturday? Because yeah. to be honest with you, if we treat church as a hub, to as a filling station, right, to get gas, we can take the rest of the week to just flow off of that on cruise control and learn flexibility and how to be able to witness and develop more disciples, bring them back, get them cleaned off. But I believe every church should definitely have a class called expectations. And you are a part of the church. It be if you thought it was perfect, it became imperfect when you joined it. And I'm talking about me. I'm God's poster. I'm God's poster child for imperfective church. Right. right. You know, my model is there's greater works outside the church. Right. So they're on the flip side. You know, there's church hurt, but there's also people hurt outside of the church um, that they are hurting and that we need to to wheel them in. But before we go there, we want to hear from Nancy. Well, I'll just be brief. I was a PK. I am a PK, and I guess I'll always be one. And um, and go backwards. I I know now that everything I went through was a part of what God had called me to do. Like it wasn't really supposed to be easy for me because the the anointing that I carry that I didn't ask for that people think you know for some reason you're special because you have it and and like every like all odds are against you you're a PK kid hanging up in this man's church with all these little babies where did she come from you end up the choir director and people are whispering and talking about you. You got to bite the inside of your jaw to not say anything because your dad is the pastor. You, you drive home every Sunday in tears. That was young Nancy, though. That was Nancy learning. Um, a young mother, a young single mother, um, trying to exercise my gifts and uh, trying to understand is this thing that God has on me that when I open my mouth, people respond in a way that I, I I can't even explain. So I'm young and I'm trying to go through that. And, you know, um, I, I'm sure that my dad carried, you know, a, a lot of weight because of the way I came to his church because he was in Alaska, I was in Mississippi. I needed to get out of a tumultuous situation. And so I, he gave me that opportunity to go back to a place that I, as a little girl, spent, you know, a portion of my life there and, I can just say that, um, you know, the things that I had to deal with, um, there are a lot of, for lack of a better word, ignorant people in church that don't understand what the love of God really really is. I, my dad used to say people can sit in church 30 years and not be saved. Amen. People can sit in church for years and not have a relationship with Christ because, you know, sometimes going to church, I think somebody covered it already. It's just like a hobby for some people. It's just like the things that you do, but there's no relationship. And one thing that we've learned from being, you know, in this pandemic is if you depend on being inside the four walls for relationship, then you found out just who you really are in God and what you had and didn't have with, with Christ. So, you know, I had to learn what 
what forgiveness was at a very um, young age. Um, we talked about millennials and things, you know, that a lot of churches don't have anything for young people. You know, there's, there, a lot of churches are stuck in where they've been for the last 60, 70 years, some churches. And, yep. and they wonder why the membership is not growing and nothing is actually happening, yep. but what's on the program. And it's because yep. they haven't really brought anything to appeal to everybody. Yep. You know, I'm a worship leader, so I don't sing all, I, I have to sing songs and I have to, you know, appeal to everybody so everybody can understand. I remember my son saying at 14 years old, my love granddaddy, but I don't understand what he's, what he's preaching. You know, I don't understand the King James Version of the Bible. We're not right. we're not thinking that everybody is not on the same level. I'm, I'm touching a, a bunch of different things. Last thing yes. I want to say is when brand new people come to church and they don't know nothing about church, there's a guy that lives across the street from the church I attend now. He comes to church in his bathroom. But guess what? He don't know no better. Mm -hmm. And maybe he don't have no better. Yep. But the first thing to do is to pull him to the side Let him and be. say we don't do that in here i i recall a, i won't i won't say the denomination or the name of the church but yeah. i call that a church that i used to attend a whole family joined at one of the one of the best services that i've ever been in it just like the rdd that the altar was flooded with people and there was it was about 13 of them that was from one family and they all had on pages the women had on pages and before they could get the, the benediction was over, they were pulled to the side. Mm -hmm. And so we do that in here. We don't wear pants. Well, can you offer them Jesus first? Mm -hmm. Can you mm -hmm. can you tell them Jesus? Because because the, they're new. What do you, and they never came back? That that they never get follow up to see. We lose people based on religion. We lose people based on tradition. We lose people based on ignorance. We lose people Amen. based on we we have not done it this way. It's not the way that we do it, and nobody is showing them the Jesus way. So I Amen. say that if you're in a church with a bunch of different levels, ages, and all of that, then you need to you know have a youth minister, have a youth pastor that can appeal to younger people. Amen. You know, it, it's uh, there's so much to do, and I know I'm preaching to the choir. You guys know that. But what I had to learn to do, um, and it wasn't always easy. I had to learn to keep my mouth. I had to learn what forgiveness was because I certainly didn't know what it was at the beginning. I, I spent a lot of times on my knees in prayer, and I, I literally drowned myself in in my ministry, in my call. And I, you talked about dove's eye. I didn't know what that I that's what I was doing. You know, Sasha Cobbs has a song out. Uh, she said, Lord, give me dove's eyes because doves can't see. Uh, they only see what's in front of them. Yes. You know, and I had to learn to only see what's in front of me to survive because everybody is not strong enough to survive church hurt. Amen. Church hurt has damaged so many people. Church hurt has caused people to never come back to commit suicide. You know, how many pastors? Do we know that committed suicide? Your church hurt don't always come from the leaders. You got some um, uh, people that sitting in the pews that don't really want a pastor. They just want a preacher. So they run that preacher crazy. You know, it comes from both sides. And so, I, you know, I just say that I, I, thank, I, I thank God for 
um, my father and what he instilled and, and, and some of the things that, you know, I learned from him from the pulpit. I watched him be breaked over the coals and still be a gentleman and still be a man of God. He's very forward now. He didn't take just anything. But, you know, you just, it's it's levels to this to this thing. And I just think that people need to meet people where they are. Yes. Everybody yeah. does not like you. You, you've been, you know the the Bible backwards. You've been on this board. You've been you've been on the board too long. You should probably resign because I believe that God is progressive and He's doing things different to reach different. Like all of us here, we're all different people. We got all different personalities. There's, we all have drawing power, but I'm not gonna draw the same person that you draw. You gonna be able to reach somebody that I can't reach. Amen. 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 And uh, you Amen. know, I'm going to share it because you know this subject. I can say oh, no, preach. You know, I mean, you can stay right there because it is so, it's so true, right? Yeah. Um, can I give a yeah, small so, you know, PSA? Uh, <laughs> uh, if you are in ministry as a leader, start training your replacement. Come on now. In the education world, we say that. Like in any in any field, mm -hmm. any industry, you should have a prodigy. You should be if, if what you're doing, if you're doing it well, then you should be trying to train right. your place. And that I think that's the problem in the church is that we have people that they won't move. They won't move. And and, right. and, and, oh. and and that's a sign of not hearing God. That yeah, is a, right. that's a stiff right. neck person. And you are you're losing touch with hearing God. And this is why we have a form of godliness. No power. Right. We need power. Right. No power. Look what's going Amen. on. The power of God, which relies on each and every one of us as we allow it, as yes. we allow it to go forth. Mm -hmm. And so that's so important. I just want to say that. Train your replacement. I think it's also important. Like when you think about it from the standpoint, and and if we want to just kind of culminate with the black church, right? And a lot of us that grew up in church or have or come from black families, right? And a lot of our black family members didn't talk about a lot of the issues that went on in our black families. And they kept a lot of issues to themselves as secrets. And you find it out years later. And what I what I was driving to work one time and the Lord said it's a reflection, the church is a reflection of what the family gave and, and has projected onto it. So like you have families that were very tight, very close-knit about secrets of, you know, infidelity, you know, babies out of wetlocks, all this other stuff. And then you carried all of that same attitude and mentality into the church and old doctrine, old whatever denomination that you're in. And now you have a generation of people, of millennials and hope dealers that are wanting you to be transparent because the ministry of transparency is what keeps us in them seats and keeps yep. us intrigued. If I know that your honesty to the point where, you know, I, you just told me that dude, dude said that he was just struggling on yesterday, you know, or, on of X, Y, and Z. I can relate to that because man, I'm not alone. And that's a lot of the time that we feel as, as people, of anything, we feel Satan will try to isolate us to make us think that we are alone in our own process. Um, and but what the problem right. is too is that we have to identify and say, you know what, you're not alone because even though I might not, I've I've been delivered and I got through what I went through before, I still can identify because 
I used to be where you are. Sometimes that's all we need to hear. As, yeah. as as in the caught in the in the crossfire between an older generation and a very much new generation, and we're like me and my crew are, are caught in the middle. You know, it's like we have the best of both worlds. We still mm -hmm. sing in hymns, but we still saying I love God. You know what I'm saying? Right. So you know, it's 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 a it's a big difference of understanding that you know being transparent because we get tired. We tired of holding granny and auntie secrets. We want y'all to just release it because yeah. what's good of it keeping <laughs> uh, in, which is why they died of high blood pressure, which is why they they stroking out left and right. And we just want to be able to say, you know what, God, here you can have it. It's yeah. yours, as Jacqueline yeah. Carr said. You want it, you can have it. If yeah. you want, yeah, give it. Bye. I don't want to deal with it anymore. Yeah. I'm done. And it's just being honest and being transparent. Yeah. You know, I got this thing I live by, I, and I say this all the time. If you tell your own story, the enemy cannot use it against you. Amen. You've, already, you've already disarmed the enemy. That's it. And somebody said, oh, well, you, you so-and-so, so-and-so. Oh, yeah, we already heard about you. If you, if you tell your own story, can't nobody in the world use it against you. Because you've already disarmed. I mean, you've taken all the power away from that secret or that whatever. The, and then if you tell your own story, you know it's going to be right. You know what I'm saying? You know you're going to tell the truth. Some people are only going to tell the juicy parts. They're not going to tell the other parts. So I really believe that. Tell your own story. That way, the enemy can't hold nothing against you. Yeah. No matter if it got two legs, Amen. four legs, or whoever. Exactly. That's right. And you know, right. someone told me they, they're tired of hearing about transparency, but that's what this podcast is about, right? Um, being transparent, unmasked, you know, just sharing our truth because there's someone else out there dealing with what we're dealing with. And if we're masking ours, we're not freeing someone else. Because usually a lot of times when we're going through something, it's not necessarily about us. It's about someone else that we can help. You know what? I've been through that. You know what? I experienced that and this is what got me through. So yeah. if we're not being truthful, then we can't help anybody. And yeah. we can't allow them to stay there, right? Mm -hmm. So to learn to, to just say um, what's really happening. That's why the subject tonight, um, the topic is, can I just be real? What does your real look like? I haven't heard from you, um, Mr. Ray. So what does can I just be real look like to you? Well, I, I knew that was coming. I saw you looking at me um, for a while. So, you know, I, I listened to, to everyone talk and, and, you know, about the state of the church today. And, you know, for me, you know, a lot of it comes back to me, you know, and, and you guys mentioned it that so many times we hold up, you know, the pastor should be this, a pastor should be that um, looking to you, you know, a, a time when, you know, recently as I was going through my divorce, I felt like the church, you know, should have reached out to me a little bit more. And thank God that he slapped me upside my head and says, you know, who, where are you going to keep your high on? You know, are you going to look to mm. look to me? Uh, because I'm the one who's going to give you the strength to make this through. But, you know, I go back to say some of the time we have to look at our own disposition of, you know, where we are. What are we coming to church to look for? Are we coming to church to, um, to, 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 to look the part? Or are we coming to church to find Jesus? And I think that's one of the, the tough things during this pandemic time because you know, I hear some people say that I want to go back to church. And sometimes I ask the question, why? You know, why do you want to go back to church? Mm -hmm. Is it just to see people or is it because you feel like that's the only place you can find God? 
And, you know, for me, it takes, where's your disposition? You know, what, what am I looking for? Where am I looking for God? Is it just in the four walls of the church? No, you know, God is in me. He's living in me. And I'm not in the church, four walls of the church 24 seven. That's not where I am. And so I, you know, I got to go back and say, where is my relationship with God? What do I want to understand about God? How do I want to live this life in God? So when depression comes, when pandemic comes, when whatever comes, okay, you know, going through my divorce taught me a great lesson because it's that time you stop looking at people and look to God, you know, stop looking at people, look to God. And, you know, my brother Joseph is like, I felt like when I got pandemic came, I was ready because I was looking for a pandemic because I was so anchored into God. I'm like, God, you are my source. You are my strength. And this thing here, you know, divorce was hard. This thing here is easy. Okay. And so, you know, that's where I'm going my friend from. You know, understand that idea with imperfect people. So, yes, yeah, so understand that there's going to be hurt. You know, understand that, you know, people are going to look at me sideways, you know. And right. it, it says, you know, I got to go back to say, okay, where is God? What am I doing? You know, how's my heart changing? You know, how am I reflecting Jesus? You know, I'm I'm a little bit old school and new school. So some of you guys are saying, you know, you got you got to cater to to the new generation as it is. But you know, when Jesus came, Jesus said, "Where's your heart?" You know, and Jesus said, "This walk is going to be tough." You know, that's why a lot of people. So people leave in the church. For me, it doesn't surprise me. People leave Jesus. You know, it's like. You know, when he says, are you going to leave me to, to his disciples? And they say, where am I going to go? You you are truth and you are life. And we as Christians, we got to go back and find our anchor into God. Because a lot of the stuff that's going on, I think church in an, in an effort to try to win so many people have gone astray. Stop preaching the word. Stop being you know, more more concerned about how we look and what we do, more concerned about preaching the truth of the word, you know, more concerned about, you know, less concerned about preaching the truth of the word, but trying to be the new age, the new, you know, trying to cater to everyone. And I think that's where the church is losing it because as I say, people are looking for authenticity in the church and where is it? You can't find it. You know, you go there to, to, to be real. You go there and you say, come as you are. Jesus said, come as you are. Going to turn you down because you wear a robe to church. I said, maybe you don't know better. Maybe you don't have better. But Jesus is saying, you know, fix the heart. I'm going to fix you from the inside out, not from the outside in. And so going back to what the core of following Jesus is about, it's about God's word. It's about finding God, finding God in the ruins. And when we lose our our, our focus and finding God and start looking at where we worship, what the, the what domination, denomination, what you know, pastors preaching, you know, who is that? And stop looking at that and start to keep our eyes up on Jesus. Then I think that, that that's the way the world, the church is going to change the world, you know, because we we got to start going back. It's almost got to go back to the basic, you know. Mm-hmm. We are so concerned about the outside. And what Jesus said, you know, you can't clean the, you know, forget about the outside of the cup. You got to clean the inside. If I want to pour new wine in you, you got to be new wine skin. And the wine skin is built from the inside out. So if the inside is not going to be built, then forget about the outside. 
And we're yeah, right. too concerned about the outside. We're too concerned about what. And can we be real? Yes, church life, Christian life is messy. It is hard, but there is something. There is this forum. There, you know, we're Christian men and women here who knows how to hold on in the difficult time through loss, through disappointments, through whatever. But we all know how, and we all can come together because and support each other because we understand that a common thread that's all us together is God. Amen. And that's where we come back and we find hope. Amen. So um, we're going to come to a close, um, but we, we, we touched on losing sight of God, right? And, and how do we lose sight of God? Um, there's this thing called unforgiveness. Mm -hmm. um, and so we want to just talk on unforgiveness first, and because that's what contributes to the church hurt, right? Because we don't forgive one another. And um, we are first partakers, and so we should um, be forgiven. So we want to we go. Well, I, I'm, I'm going to share a little bit, because the first time I understood about what forgiveness was, um, it, you know, I, I was just a new Christian at that time, and um, I was driving down the street. Now, the background is that I never grew up with my father. I knew he was who he was. He was never in my life and everything like that. And I don't necessarily say I hated him, but I certainly didn't want anything to do with him. And, you know, I'm you know, so I'm going by not really giving any thought to it. And I'm driving down the street and the word of God came to me and said, you're going to have to forgive your father. And I'm like looking around. I'm like, who, what? Wait a minute. Hold up. No, 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 no. Um, I can't do that. And I said, he is the father. He has got to come and seek me out. Why am I have to do that? And I struggled with God for about six months about that, because I hear about it, you have to forgive your father. Uh, about six months, and would you know, driving down the same street in the same spot, again, I heard it again. God said, you gotta forgive your father. And I pulled over the car and I wept like a child because I'm like, okay, Lord, first of all, I said, you win because I, I'm tired of fighting with you about this. And I know there is something else in there. So that was my first truth that when I, and I cried out to God and said, I forgive him, I release his spirit. And that release that came over me at that point, and that was my first understanding about the power of forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And what that released in me was to be able to form some kind of a relationship with my father before he passed away about, um, 12 years ago now, 12, 13 years ago, and was able to actually forge something with him. Um, and that was, it, it, it certainly didn't add up to him being a father or anything like that, but I understand how to um, heal a hurt that was in me. I understood the power of forgiveness, understood not to walk out of that uh, out of that um, baggage and you know that was holding me down. And today it serves me well because when I go back and I look now, I want to forgive people. I don't want to hold on to that garbage, that junk, because that, that is a heavy load to carry. And, you know, going through some things, God had even, you know, God had to remind me, I am letting unforgiveness and bitterness 
stir up in me again. And I had to release that. And when <clears throat> every time I release that to God, I feel, I know that I've been lifted by God. I know that that's not a weight that I have to carry. I think people un misunderstand what forgiveness is. Um, and it's not letting somebody off. You know, it's not, it's not, you know, you know, free, it's freeing yourself. You know, it's freeing yourself. It's freeing God to work in your life because that will be a blockage for you and God working in your life if you don't walk in forgiveness. Amen. So we're going to hear from Daryl. We want just the men because sometimes women are always speaking and, and, and men need to, to, to relate to other men um, of what they're dealing with as well. So we're going to hear from Daryl um, on this topic. Um, you know, my I have two uh, stories of unforgiveness, right? Mm -hmm. But the the first one, I'll tell the first one. The second one is still being worked out. Now, I've forgiven the person, but it's still being worked out. Um, okay, so I remember my dad, right? I, my dad was uh, my mom and dad stayed married until I was like nine, I think it was. And so when my dad left, he left. Um, you know, he wasn't the greatest dad, you know, he wasn't available, you know, things like that. He really didn't contribute to the household, you know, things like that. But I've always loved my father. But it wasn't until I got older that I realized that um, the some of the damage that was done, you know, in that relationship. Now, I don't hate my dad, never have, never will. Um, but I didn't realize where I needed to forgive him uh, until I went to a therapist a few years ago. And he told me two things. He said, he, well, he told me the one thing, and that always sticks to me. He said, don't ever judge your parents because you become what you judge, right? So I was like, well, dang, okay. Uh, how do I process this? But then I realized my dad, um, although, you know, he wasn't around, my dad and I, we, I, when I first started my career of driving trucks, my dad was the one who got me into driving trucks because he did it first. Uh, he, didn't, he didn't know that, but, he, you know, he was my motivation for doing it mostly. And so, but I remember I, my dad um, was, he had moved back south and uh, we, we were, I had to take a student back to South Carolina. And so my dad, I asked my dad if he wanted to ride with me or whatever, you know, just see, so he could see what, you know, he used to deal with back in the day, right? And so we, we were riding, we, uh, we went to drop the student off and I came back and uh, I was, we were on our way back and my dad sitting in the passenger seat, he just looked at me, he said, son, he said, I'm proud of you and I'm sorry. That's mm -hmm. all he said. Wow. That's that's it. And that that little statement right there, it restored us. And I knew I understood what the forgiveness was about at that very moment mm -hmm. that I needed to release all of that stuff. And man, it was just it was it was totally unexpected. It wasn't something that I was crying or probing a product for because I had accepted it, accepted the fact that I may never get it at that point. Mm -hmm. But when he said that to me, when I tell you our relationship shot through the roof, it was just like, okay, God, I see you. And this now, mind you, this was before I was saved. Mm. This was in wow. 2004, and I didn't get saved until 2007. Yes, I you know, grew up in the church and I had religion, but actually having a relationship with Jesus, I didn't get that until 2007. Yes. So, but this was before I saved. So the power of forgiveness for everybody, not just for people in the church, it's, it's for everybody. Um, and, and, I, and I, you know, the world uses everything that we were taught in the Bible and, and makes money off of it. They just taught, call it something new. You know what I'm saying? But forgiveness is something that we need. And I, 
to this day, I try not to hold anything because the Bible tells us to forgive quickly. Yes. Now, we, we don't necessarily forget everything, and that doesn't necessarily mean the scar is healed, but we have to release ourselves and those people faster because if not, it, it, that thing will start festering and it will start it will it will start stinking and smelling and it's gonna spill mm-hmm. over onto other people mm-hmm. and so that's that's one that's one of my forgiveness stories that i'll never forget in my life mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, wow that is powerful um this person says i have to forgive myself and that is hard is a hard thing to do this sin too uh placed like 30 or more years ago and at times it plays back in my mind don't know why I know God has forgiven me. It keeps it keeps hanging around. Um, so I'm going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and one of you can respond to that. And then we're going to have each of you close us out with something positive um, or uplifting that um, our viewers can can take on for the week. OK, we'll be right back. La, 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 la. You can advertise you can your brand on our podcast. Simply send us an email at hiswillforyourlife at gmail.com or give us a call at 757-607-4490. Advertise with us. Give us a call today so that you can share your brand with the rest of our audience for next week. We look forward to hearing from you. La 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 Okay, so we are back. I know that's annoying, but you're going to remember the content. <laughs> Did you want me to, to tag on to that one with the men real quick, Sherry? I'm sorry? Did you want me to tag on with the men real quick with the comment you were having about forgiveness or just go ahead into the question? Save it for your closing remarks. Okay. No, go ahead. <laughs> Um, no, I was just um, real quick. Um, forgiveness is such, like we've talked about before. Forgiveness can be such a, um, a, a like almost like the grieving process, right? Because forgiveness is a process in and of itself. Um, it is interesting because the men on here, with myself included, um, are talking about forgiveness when it comes to their fathers. And I have a similar, you know, a father, you know, forgiveness moment as well. And I, I remember and. Uh, I have a great friend, um, Dominique, who we used to really talk a lot in high school and have, you know, our friendship spans, you know, time. And we have we've shared horror stories or war stories, if you will, about, you know, experiences with our our fathers, you know, not being present, not, you know, having a, a, a dislike for our fathers. And I remember and, I, and I'm sitting here and I'm like, OK, Lord, how transparent do you want me to be? And he's like, just go ahead. So I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I had one time growing up in high school, I had a very much deep-seated hatred for my father. 
And that's a, a very honest statement because I didn't like the what I, I didn't like what I saw. I didn't like the way that my mother was struggling, you know, and I didn't I just things that I didn't understand as a child. And when you don't understand certain things, you're left to your own devices and brain to kind of figure out, make things up in your head. And it really wasn't as bad as it seemed to have been because that's your perception. Everybody has their own perception. Um, fast forward, because I know where I don't want to believe at the time. Um, fast forward over the years, our process in healing has taken place between my father and I until when I started going to therapy. And like I said before, therapy plus G Jesus plus therapy equals a great successful life. And um, <laughs> I learned that a lot of my issues, even from my marriage, how I parent my kids, what I, how I interact with other people stems from the lack of consistency or relationship with my own father. And then coming to find out that a lot of my stuff that I was dealing with, even how I would look at God, was a reflection because of how I looked at my dad. My dad is the first man that I've ever experienced as far as a father to son, and then teaching me in the way of God, my heavenly father. So you kind of put all of them in the box. And it wasn't until last year during a pandemic that I was asked, I was invited to a praise and worship workshop at um, a church in Virginia, which my dad is one of the um, senior leaders at. And at that time, my dad had never seen me active in any type of ministry capacity whatsoever. I mean, I'm a worship leader. I've danced, I've stepped, you know, on step teams in church. You know, I've ministered in performing arts in church, worship and arts in church. And my dad has never seen that aspect of me as a person. And to see me in the element of worshiping and, 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 teaching on praise and worship and directing and showing, you know, different things as far as leading a song and, and, and it's seeing me in action, if you will. My dad said to me, he's always been proud of me, but it was at that moment that he was in awe of what God has done. And within the last year, understanding my process of therapy and going through the process of healing, my dad and I are, we can kick it on the phone for hours and just laugh about the craziest things that have nothing to do with anything, and it's not a dreadful thing. So forgiveness is a definite, is def forgiveness is real, especially if you know for a fact that you have people that are little people that call you dad now, that are attached to you, and you have the possibility of projecting onto them what you did not get as a person. I couldn't, I couldn't do that. You know, I, my dad had did it because of his dad and his dad did it probably because of, of his dad. But when you understand the fact that God is sovereign and he promises us that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. But being honest about the situation, I used to tell people all the time my dad was never around until I went to therapy. And I realized that that wasn't true. Your dad, it wasn't that your dad wasn't around. He just wasn't around as you wanted him to be around and, or what you thought that he should have been around. And now I realize that my dad was in his own process at 40, whatever years old at the time where him being around me was very toxic and very vile. And um, and that toxicity could spill over to me. And God was sovereign and his infinite wisdom shielded me from all of that to now be able to be able to come full circle and we can be open and honest about where we are. And it's and it's 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 amazing. It's it's a beautiful situation. But it's all about perspective and changing and changing the perspective of 
understanding what the situation actually is, not what you made up in your head. And it's, it's a process. Forgiveness is definitely a process. Amen. So, um, um, Chelsea, I would like for you to, um, uh, speak to Lenore, if you will. Um, and then we're going to, um, have each of you say something really quickly, um, less than two minutes and we're going to close out. Um, you know, the, the enemy is accused of brethren. Always remember that. And that is the devil. Satan. He likes to accuse us and remind us of our past. But more time you spend a word of God, more God's going to tell you who you are now and who you are becoming. Which was, and it's the funny thing about speaking about it in the present tense. And if you think this, this is who you were before he knitted you in your mother's womb. And so I've been been dealing with a, a wholeness, and wholeness uh, comes from getting your identity back, your origin. Your origin identity is in the Word of God. It's from God. He's creator. Nothing, no, no can tell creation what it should look like and what it should be, but creator. We love our mothers. We love our fathers. But as you see, some of us, I was raised with my grandparents. Some of us, you know, we were dealt different cars, different hands, or even if we had parents who were at the church there's still dysfunctionality, generational curses that are passing down. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm coming to understand that my identity is in Christ. And I just wanted yes. to uh, read some of Psalm 139 to you. It's Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from far away. You observe my travels and my rest. You are aware of all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it, Lord. You have encircled me. You have placed your hand on me. I want you to read all of Psalm 139 and, and read it multiple times to yourself and read it out loud in your house. Walk your home because you have unwelcome gifts. So you, you need to serve notice in your home about what God has said about you, that nothing, no entity can refuse. He has the final say. He is Lord. Amen. 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 Uh, Georgia. Yes, ma'am. Oh, kind of uh, an encouraging word. Um, I just want people to understand that um, as we're going through life and things are just coming at us, um, prayer, praying is, is important and having that relationship with Christ. And also, too, I think sometimes even when we pray, we pray to God and like we like he doesn't know us. Um, and for me, my prayer sometimes is like, Lord, help me. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what's happening. And I, I need your help. And if you don't help me, I'm, that's it. I'm hit. I need you. And speaking to God in a language where it doesn't have to be the well thought out words, um, well articulated words, but just God help me. Get, help me get through this morning. Um, sometimes that's just that prayer. I feel like I've seen more answers and breakthroughs in those prayers than the the ones that are scripted and they're like, you know, 20 minutes long. Amen. Nancy. Amen. Nancy. I was, I was sitting at a uh, conference uh, the, the night Obama became president. I was in Memphis at Church of God in Christ. And Kevin LaVar uh, on stage and there were thousands in the room. But he sung this song that made me know that I had not forgiven my children's father. Mm. And I'm not gonna I'm gonna sing the beginning of it to show you how it impacted me. 
just so you could hear the words. And these are the words he sung. He says, I want a heart that's a heart full of love, one with compassion, just like yours above, one that overcomes evil with goodness and love, like it never happened, never holding a grudge. I want a heart that forgives, one that lives and lets live, one that keeps loving over and over again. One that men can offend because your word lives within. One that loves without price like you, Lord Jesus Christ. I want a heart that loves everybody, even my enemies. Wanna love like you be, like you, just like you did. I want a heart that forgives. And woo, when I heard those words, I said, oh, I have not forgiven this man. And I said, Lord, if you let me find this song and let these men, I, I need to hear this song again. And he had not recorded the song yet. And I was on a manhunt for this song until I heard it again. A heart that forgives is a heart that knows that this is not even about the other person, but I need to be able to love my enemy. And I need to be able to be all that I can be in Christ. And the only way that I could do that is to love without, you gotta do something for me for, you to, for, for me to forgive you. So I just wanna be able to forgive, because you know, we, we, there's that cliche, it's not for me, it's not for them, it's for you, but that's really, really, really true. Once you forgive, even when they don't treat you any better, you can live. Yeah. And I say all the time, for forgive quickly, love hard, and forgive quickly and live. Because somebody that hurts you may never change. Amen. Amen. Um, any of the men have anything to say before we go out? God bless y'all. I'm doing my time here. This was fun. His word, I am. <laughs> um, you and your plugs. However, I thank you guys for joining us tonight. Um, thank you for those who stayed with us. We knew that this will go over our standard hour because it was a panel discussion. So we hope that you were blessed, that you were inspired, that you were encouraged. Yeah. Um, that you now have a heart to forgive um, and make sure that we are forgiving because um, like Ray said, it's, it's not for the individual, it is for us. And sometimes um, unforgiveness is tied to our, our healing. So when we don't forgive, we don't, we don't heal, right? So we wonder why we have so many ailments is because we haven't forgiven. Um, and so make sure that you have a heart that forgives that you seek God or seek a therapist, um, seek someone with wisdom, someone that has a relationship with God and not just the religious part of just going to church. You want someone that has a relationship that spend times with God outside of the four walls, right? So we hope again that you were blessed, that you were encouraged, and that um, if you have any prayer requests, if you need to reach us, the number is 757 607-4490 
or you can email us at hiswillforyourlife at gmail.com. Thank you again. And we will close out. We hope that you will join us next week. Next week, Georgia is coming back. And that's by um, popular demand. You guys wanted more of your mind, body, soul, and spirit. And so she will be back next week um, because you asked for her. Not that we don't like her here. We do. We love Georgia. Um, but you guys have requested her. And so she will be back on the 24th um, for that next segment. Um, and so we're going to close out. I'll give you time to write this down if you need to. Um, any of you want to give a plug about your business um, real quickly before we close out? I know, Joseph, you've been doing that for quite a minute. Um, Daryl, would you like to um, share your business, your stressful business? Uh, my business is called AYB Transportation. I am a one-man operation at this moment, but I'm believing God for expansion by the end of 2021. Um, I'm regional. Uh, if you got something heavy that needs hauling, give us a call. Right. Um, and we'll make sure that we have your information in this feed um, so mm -hmm. that people have that. Um, Georgia. Yes. Yeah, so um, I'm on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn as Georgia Wright Lane and um, on Instagram as underscore the Alki Life, T-H-E-A-L-K-I-L-I-F-E underscore. So it's underscore the Alki Life underscore. And, um, you know, I'm over there talking about health and wellness, different foods that are good for you. And I do a meatless Monday every Monday where I make a meatless dish. I'm not trying to convert people into becoming vegans, but I'm just trying to show us how we can eat more fruits and veggies and be healthy, especially in a time like this, build, building up our immune system, staying healthy, staying strong and taking care of the temple. Amen. Ray, I don't know if you're just tied to Missouri, <laughs> um, but if you can um, share your 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 business um, and maybe got um, someone can reach out to you for services, especially during this tax season. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm a tax guy. I, I do tax planning and preparation work with um, businesses, small, medium, large businesses. Um, and so um, that, that's what I do. I, I, I work closely with business. I know when people think taxes, they just think tax return numbers, but as a CPA, I work with business to help them understand business, how to make money, spend money, and and keep more of your money um, legally. I'm trying to go to jail for anyone, I'm not trying to send anyone to jail either. So, <laughs> yeah, right. so. Yes, yes. Um, so, Miss Chelsea. Yes. So, uh, you are an up-and-coming author. Uh, you have just put out a book that you believe uh, will help people grow closer in their intimacy with God because, again, can't just do it on Sundays and Wednesdays. Talk to me. I know how to take a book, pull it apart, reteach it, and bring people to your book. And share, with and share how they can see you um, weekly on Saturdays? Every Saturday from 10 to 11 a.m. Central Time on Facebook Live under Devo, D-E-V-O-D-I-S-H. Miss Nancy, the songstress, um, she's traveled all over. Uh, okay, so, yeah, you can follow me on YouTube. Um, a lot of my ministry videos on YouTube are Nancy Smith. Um, and Instagram, Nancy underscore Denise underscore Smith. Nancy Denise Smith on Facebook. Chelsea, I need to talk to you. I'm 17 chapters into my book, so I need to talk to you. 
So yeah, that that's me. All of my ministry stuff. I like to make you smile, laugh, tell you the truth, and uh, amen. Awesome. Okay, Mr. Plug, come on. <laughs> Mr. Plug. <laughs> We, we, we aired your commercial. You want Sorry. To so I hit the button to the photos and it moved the whole screen. This Mac is crazy. Um, so uh, so Joseph A. from The Plug, People Living Under Grace, um, we're a podcast that's designed to connect all of us to the God of our salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. Um, we can, You can follow us on uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at The Plug We Are Us. Um, our website is under construction, but it's the plug we are dot us and it's T H E P L U G W E A R E. So the plug we are and then us. Um, and yeah, we uh, are on all podcasting platforms and we're live actually this Friday, but we're all of our information as far as season one and two are on every podcast platform that you can listen to a podcast. Awesome. You can follow me at Sherry Levon Harris on Facebook and as well as Instagram. I thank you again for joining um, and um, have a wonderful, wonderful week and stay strong in the Lord. Stay close to the Lord. Have a good evening. Good night, all. To Jeremiah 29, God has a plan. Come on, Joel, let's encourage the people. And we know all things work together. Please join Shirley and her special guest again next week for another riveting and informative segment of His Will for Your Life podcast. And I trust Him with my whole heart.